I invite you to please get at your Bible out with me after you put your songbook away. And please make your way with me to your New Testament to the book of 2 Timothy. Will you please go in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4? I want to read some verses that I think will set up everything we're going to talk about this morning in our study from God's Word. I'm so happy to see all of you here this morning. We have a good number of folks here. We have visitors here. So happy we can have this time to worship God and study from His Word. I'm excited about studying the Bible with you for the next few minutes. And we're going to start with 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living, and the dead, and by his appearing and, and his kingdom. Preach the word, verse 2. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You only work... You only work two days a week. You only work two days a week. You ever had anyone tell you that before? You ever had anybody accuse you of that before? If you are a full-time teacher or an engineer or a construction worker or a doctor or a banker or a mechanic or a nurse, or maybe you own your own business, you ever had anyone ever accuse you of only working two days a week. I'm pretty sure that you have never heard anyone accuse you of that before. You've got to be a preacher to get that accusation. You see, usually people believe that preachers are the only ones or are people who only work two days a week. This is something that my mentors warned me about Several years ago when I first began preaching the gospel, back in 2006 when I first started preaching the gospel on a full-time basis, my mentors warned me that one of the things that I would have to, or that will require me having to grow some thick skin and being patient with the brethren about was their view of the work of preaching. They warned me that for many brethren, they have a lot of misunderstandings about the work of a preacher. For example, for some, they believe, they really believe that a preacher only works two days a week, Sunday and Wednesday. These same people also believe that the bulk of what a preacher does is found right here behind the pulpit or behind a lectern. I've even encountered some brethren who believe that on the Sunday of a gospel meeting, the local preacher needs to at least do the opening prayer, or maybe he needs to preside over the table so he can earn his paycheck that week. He's got, he's got to do something on, the, on his only work day of the week. A lot of people have a lot of misunderstandings about the work of a preacher. The question is, what about, what about you? What about your thinking? How do you, how do you view the work of a preacher? How do you view the work of a preacher right now in your life? I mean, do you view the work of a preacher as being the same as, as the work of shepherds? 
Remember a couple of months ago, we talked about the work of shepherds, right? Remember a couple of months ago, we made the point that the primary work of shepherds or elders or bishops in the church is the work of watching over souls. It is the work of leading souls and guiding souls and directing and feeding and protecting souls. It is to be intimately involved in the lives of every single member of the flock. Do you view the work of a preacher? as the same as you view the work of shepherds or elders, or do you see the preacher as someone who has the responsibility of growing the church? Do you see the preacher as someone who has the responsibility of doing all of the personal Bible studies and, and all the converting and all the baptizing and, and the attendance numbers should go up every single week based on what we are what we're paying, we're paying him to do. Do you see the preacher as someone who has the responsibility of growing the church? Or do you see the preacher as someone who's hired to please you? Do you see the preacher as someone who's hired to get up here every Sunday and, and entertain you and make it his goal to make sure you're happy and you're satisfied and you just feel really good about where you currently are in your life? Do you see the preacher as someone who should strive to preach about the things that you like? The topics that you prefer. He's got to adapt his preaching to what you already believe and what you already want to do. How do you view the work of a preacher? If we were to ask this question to someone like, say, the Apostle Paul, what do you think Paul would say? How do you think Paul would respond to this question on our slide right here. Well, the great thing about that, thankfully, is we don't have, a, have to guess about that. We don't have to wonder and, and ponder or assume how Paul would answer this question because Paul, Paul tells us. Paul tells us in the Bible, he tells us in the New Testament, specifically he tells us in the books of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and Titus. The books of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, these three books are commonly referred to as the preacher epistles. They're called the preacher epistles because they were written to preachers. They were written to two preachers that many scholars believe were around my age, late 30s, early 40s. They were written to two preachers who had a close relationship with the Apostle Paul, and Paul wanted to encourage them and motivate them and help them understand what preaching is really all about and how to do it in a way that is effective for the glory of God. In fact, beyond being letters that are extremely useful for preachers and their ministry, I submit that these letters are also extremely useful to you. They're also extremely useful to every single Christian. They're also extremely useful to every single member of this church because if you are part of this church, that means that you're part of a church that has preachers. You're part of a church that has preaching as a big part of the worship. You're part of a church that spends money on preaching and values preaching and wants preaching to be done in a way that glorifies God every time it is done in this place. And so now that we've considered the work of shepherds in the month of August, 
And now that we've considered also the work of deacons in the month of September, on this beautiful October morning, can I talk with you? Can I talk with you about the work of preaching? Can I talk with you about the work of the preacher? Can I talk with you about the responsibilities of a preacher and the responsibilities of the people that he's blessed to labor with in a local church? For example, let's consider this right here. Let's consider how when we study what the Apostle Paul says about preaching in the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy, one of the things we learn from the Apostle Paul is when it comes to a preacher. When it comes to a preacher, a preacher must be a man of the book. He's got to be a man of the book. He's got to be a man of the book of God. He's got to study diligently the word of God. We're going to be mainly in 1st and 2nd Timothy this morning. So if you want to go there in your Bible to 2nd Timothy with me, 2nd Timothy chapter 2. We want to look at what Paul says to Timothy today. And in 2nd Timothy chapter 2 and in verse number 15, I believe that if the Apostle Paul, if the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write three books about preaching, then that needs to be something we consider in a setting like this from time to time. That, that means this is a big deal to God. I mean, there are three books devoted to this subject. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15, the apostle Paul says in verse 15, be diligent, some of your translations say study, same idea, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Notice how Paul tells Timothy that if he was gonna be effective as a preacher for the glory of God, then he needed to study. He needed to study. He needed to study long, and he needed to study hard. He needed to make sure that he knew the Word of God. He needed to know God's book better than he knew anything else. Paul actually, actually told Timothy this back in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Go in your Bible, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and look at verse number 16. I'm going to 1 Timothy 4, and in verse 16. Paul told the preacher, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Here we find one of the key differences. Listen carefully. Here we find one of the key differences between the work of a preacher and the work of a shepherd. Do you see it? Notice how while the elder or the shepherd is given a commandment from Jesus to pay close attention to the flock, the preacher here in this verse is given a commandment from the Holy Spirit to pay close attention to himself and the teaching. He's told not to give attention to the flock, but give attention to the teaching, to the doctrine, to the message that he preaches he must pay close attention to the message that he's preaching from God. This means that he's got to study the word of God. He's got to learn it. He's got to pray about it. He's got to grow in it. He's got to mature in it. He's got to do that because in addition to diligently studying God's book, he's got to preach God's book. He's got to preach the word. When Paul says that a preacher... Let's preach the word. He means that a preacher has to preach the word of God. 
He can't preach speculation. He can't preach what he thinks is popular in society or theories or, or, or things that he thinks is just going to fill the pews. No, the preacher must preach the word of God, the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. He's got to understand what his responsibility is. He got to under, he's got to understand that his responsibility is not to grow the church. It's not to convert people or just get people dunked into the baptistry as quick as he can. No, the job of the preacher is to plant the seed. It is to try to use the word of God to make disciples. It is to fire people up with the word of God and inspire them to serve God with all their hearts. A preacher must preach the word. And as he preaches the word, he's got to be in season and out of season. Do you remember that in verse 2 of 2 Timothy 4? He's got to be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? Well, that means that a preacher has to always be committed to the work that God has given him to do. He's got to understand who he's really working for. He's got to understand that his boss is not the elders. It's not the deacons. It's not the church. The preacher's boss is God. It's Jesus. That's who he works for. He works for Jesus. And so he's got to be committed above anything else to Jesus and doing what Jesus wants him to do. He's got to be willing to preach what Jesus wants him to preach when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. When people hear it and when they don't want to hear it, he's got to be willing to tell people not what they may want to know, but what Jesus wants them to know. So they can have their sins washed away by his blood. A preacher must be ready in season. And he's got to be ready out of season. And he's got to give people the full counsel of God. The full counsel of God. Isn't that what Paul said he did in Ephesus? In Acts chapter 20, remember in our scripture reading this morning, Brother Nathan read for us, verse 27, Paul says that he preached to the people in Ephesus the full counsel of God. Paul told Timothy to do the same thing. In verse number two of chapter four of 2 Timothy, he tells him to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. The idea of reproving means that a preacher has to use the word of God to correct. To correct, to adjust, to make right. He's got to use the word of God to cause them to examine, to cause people to examine their hearts and their lives and urge them to reform their lives to the will of God. A preacher must use God's word to reprove and to correct. But notice also he said you got to use it to rebuke. You got to use the word of God to rebuke. This means that a preacher has to use the word of God to urge people to stop sinning if they're sinning. To stop rebelling against God if they're rebelling against God. To stop doing wrong if they're, if they're currently doing wrong. A preacher has to use the word of God. To urge people to stop doing wrong, to, to stop doing evil, to reform your life to the will of God. He must use it to reprove, to rebuke, and to exhort. Exhort. The idea of exhorting means that in addition to using the word of God to correct and rebuke people, you also got to use the word of God to encourage people. People need some encouragement. They need to be built up from time to time. You see, while the gospel of Jesus Christ can pierce and convict us, it can also encourage us. It can build us up. It can 
motivate us and edify us unlike any other message in the world. It can comfort us. It can give us hope. It can give us some peace and assurance as we live in a cold, dark, and sinful world. A preacher's got to use the word of God to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort. He's got to give people the full counsel of God. And while he does that, he's got to do it with great patience. He's got to preach with great patience and instruction. As a preacher labors with God's people, he's got to be patient with them. He's got to patiently help them grow. He's got to realize that that congregations are made up of a diverse group of people. They're made up of people who come from all different walks of life. They're made up of people from different races and different backgrounds and different cultures and genders and political ideologies. And because of that, he has to be patient. He has to patiently help the brethren grow. He has to patiently help the brethren become more like Jesus. He has to patiently teach and urge the brethren to be tolerant of the differences they have among each other. They have nothing to do with salvation. The preacher must study. And he must preach the full counsel of God and do it in season and out of season and with great patience. You know, what all of this tells us, brothers and sisters, this tells us that according to the Bible, a preacher has to be someone who knows the word of God and he proclaims it with balance. You got to have balance. You got to give people well-balanced diet of the word of God. You got to give people some Old Testament and some New Testament. You got to give them some milk sometimes and you got to get them some meat. You got to give them teachings about love and faith and grace and mercy and how wonderful heaven is going to be. And you also got to give them some teaching about Bible authority. And repentance and godly living and godly morality. And you even got to talk with them about hell from time to time. A preacher must equip people with the full counsel of God. He's got to help God's people avoid strange doctrines according to 1 Timothy 1 and verse 3. He's got to help them develop love and faith from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith according to 1 Timothy 1 and verse 5. He's got to urge the brethren to retain the standard of sound words. That's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13. Preacher has to be a man of the book. He's got to know the book and he's got to love the book, but not only must he be a man of the book, he's also got to be a man of the people. Got to be a man of the people. And when I say a preacher has to be a man of the people, don't misunderstand. I don't mean a preacher needs to make it his goal to please the people and try to make the people happy above making God happy. That's not what I mean when I say that. Instead, when I say a preacher must be a man of the people, I mean he's got to love the people. He's got to know the people. He's got to connect with the people. He's got to love all of the people. He's got to love all of the people of God. He's got to love every Christian in the church because he has a responsibility to try to equip every Christian in the church. He's got to love all of God's people. He's got to make himself available to God's people. He's got to be around God's people. He's got to avoid being a hermit and all to himself and being uncomfortable around God's people. No, he's got to be a man who loves the people, the people of God. Didn't you notice that in Acts 20? There's a reason why I asked Brother Nathan to read that. I hope you noticed from those verses in Acts 20 that Paul loved his brethren. 
He loved those brethren in Ephesus. He was with them for three years, and he said that when he was with them, he cared about them, and he preached to them the whole counsel of God. He, he says that he was going to miss them, and he's thinking about them. He's going to be praying for them, and he had tears over them. Paul loved, he loved, he loved the brethren. It was his love for the brethren that urged him and motivated him to give them the whole counsel of God before leaving Miletus to go to Jerusalem with his contribution for the needy saints. Paul wanted the brethren, the elders in Ephesus to know that he loved them. He cared about them, but he didn't just love God's people. He also loved the lost. Will you go in your Bible to Romans, Romans chapter 10, please. I'm going to Romans chapter 10. And here Paul is talking about the Jewish persecutors, the Jewish teachers who who persecuted him and they were rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. And in Romans 10 and verse one, Paul says this about them. He said, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Notice how Paul says, Paul says that he loved even the people who didn't love him back. He loved the people who persecuted him. He loved the people who rejected Jesus as the Messiah. From that, we see that a preacher, a preacher's got to love everybody. You got to love the people of God and you got to love those who are not part of the people of God and they oppose the message. A preacher's got to love homosexuals. And you got to love the transgenders. And you got to love the people who've had abortions and you got to love the people who've committed murder and they abuse themselves with drugs and they're poor and homeless and dirty. And they got criminal backgrounds and maybe they're atheists or agnostic or Buddhists or Hindus or Muslims. You got to love all these people. If a preacher doesn't love everybody, then guess what? He's not going to be effective in his work. He's not going to be committed to his work. He's not going to be committed to doing what God wants him to do. God wants him to preach his word, not to certain people, but to everybody. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs the gospel. And if a preacher's looking down on certain people and, and putting these other people on a high pedestal, he's not going to be effective. He shouldn't preach. You got to love everybody. I like how Brother D. Bowman said it one time. Many of you know Brother D. Bowman. He was a titan when it came to preaching the gospel during his generation. And he passed away about a year or so ago. And he said this one time in describing a big part of the work of preaching. He said it very simply like this. It's all about the people. It's all about the people. It's all about connecting with people. It's all about trying to know people, be with the people. Try to use the word of God to help as many people as you can come to the Lord. Preacher must be a man of the book. He's got to be a man of the people. But he also has got to be a man of God. He's got to be a man of God. You know, in addition to trying to help other people have a relationship with God, a preacher, he better make sure he has a relationship with God, too. He better make she better make sure that he knows Jesus, too. He better make sure that he preaches his his message to himself before he preaches to other people. You got to preach it to yourself first. And, and that's what Paul, that's what he says to Timothy on several occasions. When you look at Second Timothy, chapter one and verse number five, please. In Second Timothy, chapter one and verse number five, the apostle Paul said this about Timothy in Second Timothy one and verse five. I'm mindful 
of the sincere. Now, some of your translations may say genuine, right? Of the sincere or genuine faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it's in you as well. Paul is saying there that Timothy was the real deal. He, he wasn't a hypocrite. He didn't preach one thing to people and do something else. Timothy lived the message that he preached. He had a sincere faith, a genuine faith. He was a true disciple of the Lord. That's what Paul tells us. And he, he also told Timothy this in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, please. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse number 12, in verse 12, Paul told Timothy, let no one look down on your youthfulness. Now, why would Paul have to tell him that? Well, the reason why Paul would have to tell him that is because that's what people will do. People will look down on Timothy because he's young, because he doesn't have a whole lot of experience. And so, and so Paul says, don't let people do that to you. Don't let people do you like that. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Rise above people's expectations of you. Preach the truth and live the truth. Look at verse 16. Verse 16, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. Live what you're preaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation for both yourself and for those who hear you. you got to live what you're preaching if you're going to be saved along with the hearers. And then look at chapter 6, please. Chapter 6 and verse 12. And chapter 6 and verse 12, he told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What is Paul saying? Timothy, you got to live this. You got to live this stuff. You can't just preach one thing to people and live another way. You got to be a man of integrity. You got to have integrity in every part of your life. You got to have integrity with every relationship in your life. You got to have integrity with your elders that you work with. You see, a preacher's got to do right by his elders. He's, he's got he's to do right by the men that, that have oversight over him. He must never seek to divide his elders. He must never gossip about his elders. He must never undermine the leadership of the local flock. A preacher must have integrity when he works with his elders, but not just the elders. He's got to have integrity with everybody in the church. This is why Paul says what he does in 1 Timothy chapter 5. In 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 through 3, Paul says to Timothy that you need to treat the, the older men in the church like you treat spiritual fathers. View them as spiritual fathers. Treat the older women as spiritual mothers. Treat the younger men as your spiritual brothers. And when it comes to the young women in the church, Paul says you need to deal with them in all purity. You know what that means? That means that a preacher needs to avoid destroying a church by committing sexual immorality. He needs to avoid adultery. He needs to avoid fornication. He needs to be faithful to his wife if he's married. He doesn't need to be running around with the women in the church. That's what Paul is saying there. Paul says, live it. Preach it and live it. If a man doesn't strive to live the message that he preaches, the world's going to call him a hypocrite. And the brethren are going to be discouraged. And some people may even fall away. And the God he's supposed to serve He's going to be blasphemed and he's going to be mocked. The preacher must be a man of God. But let me add this to the list. He's also got to be a man of focus. 
Now, when I say a preacher's got to be a man of focus, let me be clear. I mean that a preacher's always got to stay, stay focused on the goal of preaching, the goal of preaching, the, the, the goal of ministering. Why does a man need to preach? Well, a man doesn't need to preach to help people get their best life now and to get rich and, and get all kinds of, of glory as they live in this life. A man doesn't need to preach so people can, can get rich and live their best life now. We're not trying to help people get that. We don't need to preach to get compliments, to build up your self-esteem, to do something because oh, I, I can't make it in the secular world, to fill the pews, to fill up collection plates, no, the goal of preaching is not to fill pews. It's not to fill up the collection plate. It's not to do something so people can look at you and, and give you compliments later on. No, the goal of preaching is to call people to serve Jesus. It's to call lost people to serve Jesus, to know Jesus, and to help the people who do know Jesus and who, who are part of his church to grow in Jesus and become better for Jesus. The goal of preaching is to point people to Jesus. It's to give information to people from the gospel of Jesus, but not just give them information. A preacher's got to give people application. You got to get application. You got to know how to apply the word to your life. You see, preaching doesn't do you any good. The word of God really doesn't do you any good if you don't know how to apply it to your life. And so the preacher's got to do that. The preacher must never aim to step on people's toes. If you ever tell me I stepped on your toes, I failed. I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm trying to hit your heart. The preacher must aim for the heart, not toes. You aim for souls. You aim for the part within a person that will lead to real reformation and change. Ultimately, again, it's all about Jesus. It's all about pointing people to Jesus. It's all about urging people to know Jesus and trust Jesus and have faith in Jesus and obey Jesus because only Jesus can save your soul. The preacher can't save your soul. Only Jesus can. Now, these are just a few works, just a few works of a preacher, but I can't close this lesson without practicing what I preach. I got to practice what I preach. And so I got to give you some application. I got to give you some application. I got to close this lesson by asking the question of what about you? What, what are you supposed to do? You know what the preacher's supposed to do, but what about the church? What about the congregation the preacher is blessed to labor with? What should you do in response to what the Bible says about the work of a preacher? In other words, in other words, what do you want to hear? What kind of preaching do you want to hear? What kind of expectations do you have of me and Brother Brian and anybody else who stands up in this pulpit? I'm asking you that because of 2 Timothy 4 again. I'm going back to 2 Timothy 4. And remember what the Apostle Paul said in verse number 3. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 3, he said, For the time will come, after telling us about the work of a preacher, he says, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. There in those verses, Paul's not talking about the work of a preacher. He's not talking about the responsibility of the preacher. He's talking about your responsibility as the listeners. That's what he's talking about. And so here's the question. Do you want to be part of the group of people that Paul's talking about there? 
You want to be part of that group? You, you want to be numbered with the vast majority of people in our society today who cannot endure sound doctrine and they want to have their ears tickled and they only want to hear a portion of the word of God. Do you want to be numbered with those people or do you want to be someone who wants the full counsel of God? Do you want the full counsel of God? Do you want to hear everything God has to say in addition to hearing about the faith and the love and the grace and heaven and things like that? Do you also want to hear what the Bible has to say about marriage, divorce and remarriage? You want some of that? You want some sermons about church discipline? You want some sermons about Bible authority? You want some sermons about the true work of the church? You want some sermons that will challenge you to be better for Jesus, to be a better spouse? To be a better parent, to be a better child, to dress right, to let go of grudges, to let go of bitterness, to become more forgiving and loving in your life? Do you want sermons that will challenge you in that way? You want sermons that will challenge you to go to work? You want sermons that will challenge you to go beyond just sitting in a pew on Sunday? But get busy doing some work in this church. You want sermons that will challenge you to evangelize and try to win the people in your little circle of life because you also have a responsibility to teach people the word of God. Jesus said that in the Great Commission. What do you want to hear from the preacher? And what are you going to do with the preaching? What are you going to do with the preaching? I ask you that question because remember, we, we made the point. We made the point that for preaching to truly be effective, then not only must the preacher preach the word of God, and not only must the people learn the word of God and even understand the word of God, but the listeners must also apply the word of God. We all must apply the word of God to our lives. We've got to do what the Bible says. And I'm going to one more place before we go into our invitation. I'm going to James. You, you, you know these verses, right? You remember what James said in James 2. This is the only time we left out of 1 and 2 Timothy. And, and we're going to James, James 1, verse 21, where the Bible says in verse 21, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word. In humility, it takes humility. To receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, that's the gospel, the law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Notice how the Bible, when we put all this together, when we put Timothy's stuff together and we put James's stuff together and going back to Romans 10, when we, when we put all that stuff together, my job is very simple. It's very simple. My job is to... It's a study. I got to study, and I got to preach, and I got to teach, and I got to do it with love in my heart. And I got to give you application. I got to tell you how to apply it to your life. That's my responsibility right there. But after that, what happens after that, that's got nothing to do with me. That's not, that's, that's not in my territory right there. That's not in my lane right there. My job is to preach, teach, do it in love have application, but what happens after that, 
It's out of my control. I can't make the hearer obey. I can't make you obey. You have to decide if you're going to apply the preaching and teaching of God's word to your life. You have to decide if you're going to be a doer of the word. You have to decide if you're going to submit to what God has said. You have to decide if you're going to do what the Holy Spirit has revealed. Now, look, if I preach something wrong, if I preach something erroneous, if I preach something that's going to cause you to lose your soul, or if I don't give you some application, then guess what? I'm the problem. I'm the problem. But if I do that stuff, if I preach the truth, and do my best to tell you how to apply it to your life, and you don't like it, or you refuse to obey it, then the problem is not with me or Brian or Jordan Shouse or any other man who stands in this pulpit and preaches. No, the problem was with the hearer. The problem is with, with you. You are rejecting God. You're not rejecting the preacher. See, the preacher's job is to preach the word of God. And I want to tell you this, and I want to tell you with so much passion and love in my heart, I feel truly blessed to be a preacher. I feel so blessed. I especially feel blessed to work as a preacher with this church. I feel blessed to work with this eldership. I feel blessed to work with a church that takes care of me and my family financially so that I can have the gift of time. So that I can have the time to devote many hours to studying God's word and writing and preparing sermons and classes and studying with non-Christians and new converts and recording step-by-step -step videos and praying about those things and so many other things that I hope, that I hope honor God and equip his people in this place. There's so many different avenues God could have chosen to get his message out to the world, but he decided to do it through preaching. He decided to tell the world about his son and the salvation of, in his son through preaching the gospel and maybe there's someone here this morning who needs to respond to the preaching of the gospel. Maybe there's somebody here this morning who needs to respond not to the preacher, but to what God has to say and the message that the preacher has proclaimed. And so if there's someone here this morning who needs to obey the gospel, who needs to obey Jesus the Christ through faith and repentance and baptism. You have an opportunity to do that this morning, or if you've done those things, and but you've wandered away, you, you're not living right, you're not living that kind of Christian life you should live. You need to be better. If you need us to pray with you and pray for you, if you need to repent, whatever your spiritual need may be, we'll help you with that right now. Let's stand, let's sing together.